Okay, I'm going to invite you to return to your seats. Hopefully you have your communion elements. Before we, before we take our communion elements, I'm just going to read some scriptures for us. This is where communion starts. Starts with Jesus offending some people who come to him, actually, with the communion itself. Oh, hear it in that way. It's interesting. Jesus says in John 6, starting at verse 53, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, speaking of himself, and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in that person. Just as the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, the one who eats me also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. This is the word of the Lord. This is life, friends. And it's life that not only comes from Jesus, it's life that is Jesus. And it's all of Jesus that gives us life. He gives his very body as life. We we don't just come to Jesus for his teaching. We come to Jesus for himself. And he takes these and puts himself into us in the process that we might be in him too. Would you take it in remembrance and celebration of him? Lord, we worship you. We worship you as the God who gives himself to the point of giving his very life and body for the world. We receive you once again, Lord. We come to you submitting ourselves and saying, we need to find life in you, Lord. Thank you that you give us life. We can't look anywhere else. It comes from you. And we're going to love you and follow you and receive who you are and the life that you give. So we bless you, Lord. Thank you that you give yourself, that you are the bread of life. Thank you that you come to give your life for the world. Thank you that you come to give yourself for people who don't even want you, and yet you still give. Thank you for Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. Lord, as we read your word, 
would you open us to it and open us to you? Jesus says in this passage that the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. May we receive them as both this morning. Please, Lord, do whatever you have to do in me and in us to get everything out of the way that all we would do is receive spirit and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Please grab your Bibles and go to John 6. When I was a kid, I really wanted a dog, 10-year-old or so. And I thought the best way that I could possibly, the best thing I could possibly do to try to convince my parents to get a dog was to sit with my dad while he watched Star Trek and give him a back massage. (laughs) And it gave me a lifelong aversion to Star Trek. (laughs) I heard a Trekkie out there. I look forward to offending you in the future as well. Um, (laughs) So I'm giving him a back massage and we would do this regularly. 10-year-old Captain Picard on the screen and, and giving my dad a back massage. And every once in a while, he'd wince. And he'd say, you found a knot. Like, what's a knot? You found a place where my muscle has like bunched up. We call it a knot. And teach me, okay, here's what you do. And because I was motivated because I wanted a dog, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to learn this art to uh, you know, try and get something. We never did get a dog, by the way. And, and now I'm repaying my children by, we're not getting a dog. Uh, and I don't care how many back massages you give me. But anyway, um, he, he's teaching me how to get this knot out of a muscle. He's like, you, when you find it, you, you have to start applying pressure. And you move it around and you apply that pressure and, and increasing pressure on, until the muscle releases and there's more blood flow in there. And it was great fun for me because I would find the knot and I'd put a whole lot of pressure at once and I would watch my dad just wince, um, which, you know, it's, that's great power as a 10-year-old, right? Um, that, was, that was pretty cool. But I, I learned how to get rid of a knot and you, you get rid of a knot by applying pressure. Uh, but it's pressure over a period of time, right? It's not all at once. What we're going to find in our passage today is that Jesus starts applying pressure to knots. And we're going to see how the people react. And we're going to have to learn from how those people react. All right, so would you go with me to John chapter 6? We have a long passage. And so we're going to read from about verse 25, almost right to the very end of this chapter. To put the chapter in context... Jesus fed the 5,000, sent the disciples across the sea, went up to pray for a little bit, crossed the sea, met them in the sea, in the storm, calmed the storm, got them to the other side. And so this is the next day. All right. It's the next day on the other side of the sea. And the people who had been fed on the opposite side of the sea notice that Jesus is no longer around and neither are his disciples. And they go looking for them and they find them in Capernaum. That's where Jesus and the disciples landed. They find him in Capernaum. And the, the people who have come are the people who had been fed, right? They had received the loaves. 
And Jesus is going to start with an interaction related to that and then go on to put some pressure on a knot and subsequent knots. Okay. So that's where things are at. So when they, this crowd, verse 25, found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus doesn't answer that question. Interestingly, Jesus answered instead, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. I'm not going to preach on this, but I really want to point this out. They saw the sign. They, they ate the loaves, but, but they didn't receive it as a sign. That's frightening. How often do we sometimes receive something from God and don't even recognize that it's actually from God and what it points to? Signs point. Signs point. Okay. I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, though you did, you received it, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? So Jesus just said, there's a work that you have to do. And they're asking, okay, what is it we have to do? And so Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe the one that he has sent, speaking of himself. So they asked him, what sign are you going to give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna, that's bread, in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And I just pictured Jesus like slapping his forehead at this moment as they ask for the sign and reference the scripture. And he just did that very thing to them. And there, it tells and reminds them of the meal he just gave them. Like they've missed the point completely. And I, if I were Jesus, I would slap my forehead and shake my head and walk away. But Jesus continues to engage. Very truly, I tell you, 32, he says, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They don't understand. So they're asking, sir, Give us this bread then. Verse 35, Jesus declares, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. You saw the sign, you received the sign, but you didn't notice where the sign pointed. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but will raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. And then the crowd, the Jews, began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, but we know who this is, right? This is Jesus, the son of Joseph. This, don't we know his father and mother? How can we now say, how can he now say that I came down from heaven? He found a knot. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me 
draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna, that's bread, in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread, speaking of himself, will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then he's applying pressure to a knot. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. They're wincing. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now, he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And on hearing it, many of his disciples, we're not talking about just the crowd, the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the son ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. So he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples, disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So he actually turns to the 12 and says, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12 and Simon Peter answered them, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I'm going to stop there. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus comes and offers life. Everything about Jesus is life. If, and what we mean by life is the fullest possible experience of everything that God will ever offer human beings. It is the summit of everything we could possibly hope for is what Jesus offers in himself to the world. There's no hope or desire any person in the world has, including everyone in this room, obviously, that is not found in Jesus. He is the answer to all hunger of every every appetite, every desire. It is found ultimately in Jesus. Jesus is life. 
John, the, the book of John constantly talks about life. Jesus says, I've come to offer you life and he's offering himself. Um, it, it's a way of John speaking to his audience and translating some of the things that Jesus says that you see in other gospels. So in other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus constantly talks about one thing. It is the kingdom of God. That's his main message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. The kingdom of God is here, right? The kingdom is among you. John never, there, there's only one spot in John where Jesus talks about the kingdom. Instead, Jesus and John use, it takes kingdom language and kingdom principles and translates them and calls it life. It's the same message, but it's for a different audience. And he's putting a sort of a different spin on it, but it's the same thing. So think about, for example, the parable of the sower. Jesus said, do you know the, the parable of the sower, right? Jesus wants to explain what he's doing with his kingdom message. It's like a sower and the seed falls on this and the seed falls on that. It's the message of the kingdom, right? It's Jesus' message falls on different, different um, levels of soil, different levels of hearts, right? Some are responsive, some are not. That's his point. It's his life message, right? It's a kingdom message. Well, here instead, Jesus will say, uh, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. You want that seed to find good soil? Come to, come to the one who has life. It, life for Jesus in the gospel of John is the whole package. Sometimes we evangelicals hear it as the ticket to heaven that has nothing to do with the rest of daily living. That's not the life Jesus talks about. The life Jesus talks about is chess, right? We talk about checkers and we talk about chess, right? Chess is the kingdom, right? Chess is what you can't see that gives meaning to all that you can, right? That's what Jesus means by life. He's coming to offer you life from chess. And he's talking to people who only want to play checkers, okay? It's the whole package of what Jesus offers. Everything about Jesus, everything about his plan, everything about what he will do. It's not simply the ticket into heaven. It is the, the package that he has brought to earth. It's your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the life that Jesus is offering. So when we talk about life, when Jesus talks about life, it's the whole package. It's Jesus and everything that he wants to do to change things in our lives, in our world. He's come and he's offering life. And as we see over and over and over again in our passage here, Jesus' offer of life offends people. Let me just, let me walk you through it. He identifies a knot in a muscle and he puts pressure on it. Life offends people. And I, so when I, I'm going to be saying probably a number of times through this message, life offends people. And I'm not talking about daily living. I'm talking about the life of Jesus offends people. Jesus offends people. Life offends people. It finds knots. 
So walk with through me, walk with me through this passage. Hold your Bible open, look at it. I'm gonna walk you through it. Look at verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry, and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. Look at verse 38. I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now look at verse verses 41 to 43. It's their reaction to what Jesus has just said. He just offered life. And look at how they react now, 41 to 43. They start complaining about him. And Jesus will say, stop complaining about yourself. Stop grumbling, your translation probably says. They start grumbling at his very offer and message of life. Look at verse 51. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. Anyone who eats this bread, will that one will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now look at their response to that. Verse 52, they begin to grumble and argue with one another. How can this man give us his flesh? He offers life. He speaks life. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And look at the reaction to life. Are you seeing the pattern? They begin to grumble and argue among themselves. Look at verse 53. So Jesus goes on and responds and says, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Look at verse 60 then, their response. When they heard what he said, they weren't sure that they could accept it. They're not sure anyone could accept it. They said, this statement is my my very wooden translation here says, this statement is very unpleasant. Who can listen to this? Let me paraphrase. We don't like that. That's what they're saying. We're, we're, not, we're not receiving this, Jesus. We don't like what you're saying. They don't like the very life that's being offered. So Jesus goes on and applies additional pressure to the same knot. Verse 61. Aware that his disciples were complaining about this, he says to them, is this offensive to you? Well, let's add some more offense. <laughs> yes, that is somewhat funny. What, what then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? I have additional offense to apply here for you. There, there's even more offense. It's the, the spirit who gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life, but you don't believe. Look, skip down to verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples, not just a crowd, many of the people who had signed up and said, I'm going to be your apprentice. I'm going to be your student. I'm going to learn from you, Jesus. I'm going to walk in your footsteps. I'm going to follow you everywhere. They get offended and they check out. What offended them? Life offended them. Jesus comes and offers himself as life and people get offended. Jesus comes and offers the kingdom and people go, "Eh, no thanks. 
and they get offended by his by the very thing that they need most. Life offends. Life puts pressure on knots. Do you see that in the text? One nod. <laughs> or did you, as I walk through what Jesus says and offers life, and you walk through the people's reactions to it, do you see how life offends? The crowd reacts. Life puts pressure on knots. But it was the very, th- his answer to them was the very thing that they needed to relieve the pain they were feeling. It's a, it's a really tricky dynamic with God. Friends, this is a pattern that happens with God. The places where scripture and God's activity rub us the wrong way are the very places that he's applying pressure precisely in order to relieve the problem. When my dad was teaching me how to release a knot, I had to apply pressure for a certain amount of time. And if he pulled back too soon, he didn't get the release. If he didn't receive what I was doing as something helpful, he wouldn't get the help in the end. Jesus' life puts pressure on knots, but it is the very life that is needed for the person who is feeling it. I've been seeing God put pressure on knots at unity. He has identified different things that this community needs And sometimes some in the community flinch and react, but it's the life that is most needed for the community at that time. The Lord has identified knots and it hurts for some. I get it. We talk about healing and it hurts for some. We talk about prophecy and it hurts for some. We talk about, you need, you actually do need these gifts. And, and people get hurt or offended or react in a certain way that doesn't receive that message as life. But God is identifying the very thing that needs to change and bringing his life to it in the moment. And then you have the additional layer of complexity that I fully own, 
which is you have a broken person who tries to talk about it, and I do it the wrong way sometimes. I and others, right? So I pause this, acknowledge that. There's one time where we were in a council meeting about a year and a bit ago, and, and I was getting excited. And in my, my excitement, I was raising my voice. And someone said, you're raising your voice at us. And I'm, I'm getting the message from this that you think that we're like stupid and not understanding this. And I had to go, whoa, I didn't realize that. And I apologize. And there have probably been times where I have hurt you as we have talked about these things in ways that come from me rather than God. So I want to own that and and offer just a generic apology for any time that I have done that to you. Now, stepping back into what we're um, talking about as far as God identifying knots, to the degree that God is identifying knots, he is applying the very pressure that is needed to release what needs to happen. So, yeah, so the question is, are we going to receive it? The message that Jesus has in this passage, the, the remedy he offers the people is that they would believe him. To believe is to embrace all that he teaches, all that he is, all that he offers, all that he tells us to do. It, that's what, to, that, anything less isn't full belief. Anything less is to say, uh, this is my stop and I get off. Um, so they will be disciples until the point that they are offended and they identify a knot and then they go, I I don't want that knot relieved. I'm out. We, We are to come to Jesus and offer him complete submission, complete and total belief, because we believe that everything that he offers us is spirit and it is life. But we receive spirit and life sometimes starting with some pain, starting with some discomfort, starting with, I, I don't understand, and I find some offense in that. And then we have the opportunity either to continue to lean into Jesus, to continue to let him apply that pressure to that knot, or we can go. It, it is a matter of belief. It is a matter of embracing the whole package that God offers us. I mean, how many of you would be offended if I, if I quoted 1 Corinthians and said, Paul, Paul says, um, these are his words, I want all of you to speak in tongues. Suddenly that identifies an offense in some people. It doesn't take long to be offended by God. And it reveals something about us. The rest of that verse says, I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more, I want you to prophesy. 
And his point is that there are there are things that he wants and that God wants. So it's God inspiring that word. There are things that he wants in a community that the community needs to be prepared to embrace and foster precisely for the sake of the community, but because it is what God wants. And they received it as a pressure on a knot. In fact, things got worse when he said that. Things got worse for Jesus. At least in the sense of people continued to leave more and more to the point that he looks at his 12 and says, are you guys going too? Now, happily, they, you know, the story ends well. And, and Peter says, no way, you have life. I imagine he was probably still one of the offended, but, but found that Jesus was offering life. Jesus is not coming to make unity smaller or more miserable. He's coming to offer life. He's coming to offer the fullness of himself like we, like we most need and can't even imagine. And I, I re- represent that poorly, and I apologize. But he comes to offer us all of himself. It, it's believing the full package of what he offers, because life is not a ticket. Life is a full package of a person and everything that he wants to do. Because when we, we receive Jesus, we receive him as king, which means he gets to run the show. A number of weeks ago, we, uh, Joel and I were up here and sharing about how we, God offended us. And um, it was really good. Um, because I, I, I remind you of that word from a couple weeks ago, just to say, I'm on this journey with you too. And, and there are things that are still not fully submitted in me either, that, that the Lord puts some pressure on and shows, uh, I've still got work to do in you too, buddy. So we're very much learning together, friends, very much. Um, let's let's take the offense as another invitation to come to Jesus and have him relieve that pressure, right? Let's have the conversations that we need to have with each other and with him. And let's go back to the scriptures and make sure we're submitting ourselves to our best understanding of what scripture says. But let's have those conversations. Let's do it together. Because I... I, I want more life. He, he wants to bring life to unity. Let's find it together, friends. Let's pray. Lord, everything, anything that I have said, anything and everything that I have said that is less than what you are saying, please remove it. Everything that is from you, your words that are spirit and they are life, would you plant that life down deep in us? Would you make it grow? 
Would the seed that the sower has sown today find good soil? And a harvest. Because you come to bring life that produces a harvest. Lord, forgive me for the times where I have not represented you well as I've tried to speak of what you're saying and doing. But Lord, the places where you have been speaking and working and, and we have suddenly felt that pressure on the knot, would you do whatever work you need to do to get the knots out? that we might be people who find that Jesus is more life-giving than we can possibly imagine. Thank you, Jesus, for sharing your life with us. Thank you, Jesus, for inviting us into the life that you give. Thank you, Jesus, that you come and you are patiently working with us. We love you. Lord, we love you. It's out of love that we come here week after week. It's out of love that we open our scriptures. It's out of love that we worship. Thank you, Lord. Would you make us increasingly in your image? the God who is selflessly loving his people and offering us life. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have some more? All right, we're going to continue in worship. Amen. 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 Hello? You're on. Okay. Can you hear me? If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Um, As Ben was speaking, the word offense... Um, really, the Lord really highlighted that. And he was revealing to me that when we hold offense against our brothers and sisters in Christ, it blocks us from something. So whether that offense is something that somebody did against us or failed to do against us, whether that's something that was said carelessly or something that we hold dear that they trampled on. When we hold offense to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're sinning against the body and we're sinning against our heavenly father. And so I felt like the Lord was just saying, 
pray over these people that, that, that his spirit would pour out on us and we would, we, would, we would see the offenses that we've held against each other. And when we release those, he promised me that if we release those offenses that we have against each other, we'll see where we're offended at God and his word. But we won't even be able to see it until we release it amongst ourselves. And so I, I'm going to pray right now and I, and I, and I, I, I encourage you to put down your guards, to put down your offenses and ask God, where, where have I held offense against my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? And maybe it's legit. Maybe it's not. But we need to release that if we want to see where we're truly offended at God. We won't even see it because we'll be blaming our brothers and sisters across the pew for that offense. Pray with me. Agree with me. Holy Spirit, pour yourself out on this congregation of broken people trying to do life with other broken people. And we hurt each other. We have blind spots, but we only see our brothers and sisters' blind spots. Lord, I ask that we, you would put it on people's hearts here right now to deal with it and not put it away, to deal with it with a sense of urgency and that your spirit would flow after every interaction, after every confession, that it would be a season of taking logs out of our own eyes and that we would do it in love and humility. And I pray for obedience on us as people, Lord, that we would come to each other. And I, and I also pray for just the spirit of grace to fall on people who, that, that we would show the same grace that you show to us. You say in your word, Lord, that if we forgive, you will forgive. But if we withhold, you will withhold. That's a hard word. But there's people here now that cannot receive your forgiveness, cannot receive the peace of your forgiveness because they're holding on to an offense. Lord, convict our hearts. And may we not put this on the shelf, but may we deal with it. I pray this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was having, um, our, our family had uh, a friend over for dinner this week, a new friend to us, and just young woman, about 21, 22, sharing with us about how she'd, she'd been quite abused through her life um, in a number of ways. And she, she mentioned... Um, but I, I've forgiven them. I picked that up and said, tell me more about that. She said, you can't live life without forgiveness. And shared with us in great detail, I forgave this person for what they did. I forgave that person for the abuse that I suffered. I forgave, I forgave, I released them, I blessed them. This space is now here for you to do that kind of work should you need to do it. Bless you and go in peace. Have a great week.